0: Hey, good morning. Good morning. Of course, uh, pretty timely today. With uh, as we're talking about the great feast in Luke, you certainly can smell a great feast back in the back back there. It's very tempting as you walk around in there and look at all that good food. So, anyway, we are extending an invitation to everybody that's here to come to the table as far as our uh, lunch is concerned today. How would you like to sit at the table with Jesus at the table? Well, you know, that's uh, quite the opportunity, isn't it? And that's what we look forward to. Think most people, you'd think they would jump at that opportunity. when you think that? But the thing is, most do not... The invitation that Christ has given. Most, we'll turn that down. But to have dinner with Jesus actually ultimately is a metaphor. I mean, I can imagine there's going to be food and such. You can imagine that great table, but even more so, the delights, the blessings, joys of being in the presence of God Almighty right in that kingdom. Dining at the Messianic Banquet. Can you imagine? Do you guys look forward to that? Last uh, song we sang as well with my soul. It's talking about trumpet sounding. Talking about Christ coming back for us. You know, most of the hymns, you ever notice, they have a lot of the same elements and it might be about the character of God and then man's sin, but then it ends with the greatest verse that deals with Him coming back and us living in glory with Him. How many songs are built like that, right? Well, that's our timeline, isn't it? So, anyway, talking about the marriage supper of the Lamb that would be found in Revelation 19, we know that in this parable today, it's kind of speaking of something of that nature people will come from all corners of the earth, the north, the south, the east, and the west as they are invited and you, you have trusted in Christ and you have taken his invitation and said, I come you have a place at the table with your name on it Revelation says you will have a new name I wonder what that name is You don't know. That would be exciting. Anyway, there's an unstated question in our text today, and it's kind of like, what sort of person is going to be in the kingdom of God? What sort of person is that? Well, the Jews definitely thought they had the answer and the idea of that. And it was like, people just like us will be in the kingdom. We're talking the Pharisees, scribes, the hypocrites, the leaders for the most part. And they assumed that because they were Jewish, especially because they were religious leaders, they were already in the kingdom of God. They assumed that they were going to be in there because of their own understanding. They followed Mosaic laws. They uh, followed traditions. They followed the ceremonial rituals. They did it all. And so it was going to be them. They knew that. What kind of people would be excluded from the kingdom? Well, it would be those Gentiles. The dogs, so to speak. The immoral, the greedy the dishonest Jewish tax collectors who worked for the Romans. That's the kind of people that would be excluded from the kingdom and that was their thought. That's why Jesus has to be straightforward as He possibly can, and He always is. Jesus just yanks out the rug from underneath their feet with all their presumptions. What they thought was the kingdom... And who they were according to that kingdom. So to catch full flavor the gist of this parable that Jesus uses here today. He uses another parable as He often does as we looked at last week. We have to understand this. Jesus is eating at a table on the Sabbath after they come out of the synagogue. They met in this Pharisees, a leader of the Pharisees' house. And there before him, they sat a man with the dropsy, a demon, because they knew it was the Sabbath. And they knew Jesus would probably try to heal him. And that would be the setup. And they could take notes and say, here he did it again on the Sabbath. So that's kind of the idea. It's a trap. That's the setting that we, uh, that we have here. Jesus, though we saw last week, is not your usual polite dinner guest. He's not so kind to them in the way that they would think that He should be if He is that sweet, loving Jesus. And He is sweet. He is loving, but they have a different view, people do, of this Jesus. He asked to hit them with truth. So he defied the Pharisees right at that gathering. It was a big gathering. He healed the man. How dare him to do that on the Sabbath. Then he looked at the guest and he confronted them. The truth was, they were after the best seats. He knew their hearts. Full of pride. Had no humility. So he hit right at them. message was about humility, and it humiliated the guest. And then you have another one, and this is the host. He confronted the host, if you'll remember. The host is the one who invited all these people, the guests. It's a nice thing to do. Jesus said, "You didn't invite the right guest. That would be the poor, the lame, you know, the crippled, the blind, the deaf. Why don't you invite them here? That would show a mark of true belief. But what he did is he just took that atmosphere that they had and the air just came out of it. I mean, it, you know, it was like They're having this joyous time. And Jesus confronts the whole house full of people with their sin. They don't really like that. So there's a man that says, you know, he's a peacemaker. There's always a peacemaker. And he breaks the tension, or at least he tries to. And just after Jesus had said that the people who are the blessed, those ones who are true believers... They'll be repaid. The ones who have done the deeds in Christ's righteousness, they will be raised to resurrection of the righteous. So, and that's where our text moves in today. That's where this man just says, "Hey, blessed is everyone who shall eat bread as they were doing there in the kingdom of God," and everybody would say, "Yes, Amen." All right, yeah, everything's okay now thing is really moved. Up. And of course, there's probably some people with a little, little bit of nervous laughter going on. And so Jesus doesn't pass up this opportunity either. He was always quick. He was ready to address the wrong attitudes or ideas, philosophies, because, yeah, that statement is true. You are blessed if you're in the kingdom of God but Jesus then starts telling a tar- a, a, a parable here and you know he knows the Pharisees they're they self-righteous people they're a few notches above everybody else and he has to get right at that and so um, they assume that they're going to heaven. they assume the other people are not going into that kingdom. Jesus has a response and an answer to this. Who's going to be at God's banquet in that kingdom? Be who the ones who respond to the invitation. And so that's where we're headed today. I basically said it all, so we're done now. Right? <laughs> Let's eat. Let's uh, take a scripture here, at Luke 14 starting at verse 15, it will be through 24. When one of those who were reclining at the table with him heard this, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man was giving a big dinner, and he invited many. The dinner hour he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. First one said to him, I bought a piece of land and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have married a wife, and for that reason I cannot come. The slave came back, reported this in his to his master, then the head of the household became angry and said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor and the crippled, the blind and the lame. And the slave said, Master, what you commanded me has been done still there is room. The master said to the slave, Go out into the highways, along the hedges, and compel them to come in, so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste of my dinner. Father, thank you for your word, your truth. As we look at your truth today. Help us to get into the way that Jesus has spoken this. What his true intentions were behind all of this parable that he tells. And Lord may it be a reminder to us that we're never to take granted, for granted the kingdom of God. And what you do for your people and what you're doing with us now. Help us to understand your truth. In Jesus name, Amen. So, the very words of Christ. The Word of God is all throughout Scripture. And every time we open it, God is speaking to us. To each individual here you are being spoken to by God. My words, my voice may be very weak. This May the power of God... But his Spirit really give us joy to hear his word. The uh, verse here that we start with comes right off of what we were dealing with last week. This first part's called the invitation. And as we look at 15, when one of those who were reclining at the table with him heard this, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And we already kind of explained why that man said that. Kind of breaks the tension. And Jesus had just said that there will be a resurrection of the righteous, and this man is assuming that he's going to be in the kingdom. Jesus has got a message for him and everyone there. Jesus confronts everyone in the house and the air is so thick you could cut it with a knife. That's what Jesus has done. I mean, He has made some very offensive statements. Have you noticed that? The farther we go in the book of Luke, the more that it comes out that this kingdom of God is much different than the way the people thought it was even though they had God's Word. And so Jesus is coming in and making sure that, hey, listen, you just can't assume this. Here's what one looks like when they enter the kingdom. So all the Jews are there enjoying this. Jesus spoils the party. He talks about the resurrection of the righteous, though, to the ones who that are true gives an invitation here. Uh, In the parable that's spoken, this, this man is, Jesus is actually giving the invitation to the kingdom, but it's through the parable. The man invites a whole bunch of people, who knows how many, but it's a lot of them, and he's inviting them to come and partake of all the food that he has there. It says, uh, the man was giving a big dinner and he invited many. So what are two words that stick out? Big, many. parable is really making it clear. This is a huge gathering. It ought to be a great time. So, uh, he's, he's got to be a wealthy man invite that many people to have this kind of dinner, to have food for him. It's a grand gala banquet for all the ones that he invites. number of people. Now this is a mirror that the Jews can see themselves as far as a banquet is concerned. A lot of their lives were centered around like weddings, feasts, banquets. Of course they did have the feast, the religious feast, you know. Passover and unleavened bread and on and on, those seven feasts that they had and then the wedding. It was all pictures of really Christ and the kingdom. That's really what all those are about. God intends for His people to enjoy life. He's always saying what? Rejoice. Always. And sometimes He gives them occasions to go to, not as something that they're bound to when it's a legalistic thing, but it's a thing that they should enjoy and really take part of. Well, Jewish people were people who uh, enjoyed these gatherings. It's kind of a pinnacle, a high point of their social experience when they would do that. But Jesus is using it to shatter their self-delusional, self-righteous confidence in the false religion that they had built. So he attacks with this parable. Now, there are really two invitations to like a wedding, for instance. And let's just say this is a wedding. It doesn't say, but uh, that's a big feast, a huge gala that they would make. And the wealthier the people were, the bigger it would be. Sometimes it would go on for like seven days. Can you imagine that? So what they would do is they would give a, a formal invitation at first. It would just be saying that, hey, they we're going to have a wedding. It's coming up soon. But we don't know when it is or, or exactly uh, the details. You know, usually you get an invitation. You get all that, right? And... So, at this first invitation, it's basic, like, they know there's going to be a big dinner coming up. A big wedding coming up. Okay, just be ready. Might give you a basic idea when it's going to be, but they can't give you that day, can't give you the hour. So, whenever they got it ready, when they got the food ready, it was time for the wedding and such. Then they would send out or give a second invitation. Here's where it's going to be, when it's going to be. It's like now. It's like tomorrow. I mean, it would be a last-minute thing, but it's really not last-minute because I already have an invitation. And they kind of have an idea. And now it's now. Everything is ready. They fixed all of the food, the meats, the vegetables, the desserts, all of that stuff. Gotten it together? It's time. Now, uh, that's the idea. The invitation is ready, and it's for everybody. All the invitations—it's for everyone that got that invitation. That's what Christ' invitation is. It's very broad. You know, there's the many call. Few chosen. It's kind of that idea. you know. And so therefore, the Word of God, the Gospel, goes out in mission format all the way across the world. Or a mission here. Every church is a mission. If they are honoring Christ and the Word of God is that, Javin and his family are part of a mission that they started. A church in and Utah, and they were here last year, and they're visiting uh, this morning. And I think about the, the work that they do. Isn't it great to hear of people that you know that God is working through, and we can identify with them because we're not alone. It's great to have other people out there, and of course we have other, you know, there's churches that we know of, and kind of like we call them brother churches or sister churches or whatever. It's just that hey, listen, it's it's it's. Uh, whether it be for prayer, whether it be for you know maybe financial matters that, that you have, but it's nice to have s- things in common with other churches, and so those people that are that um, as that do that mission work as we do uh, the gospel, we know that. It is sent out to everybody. We want all to come, don't we? But we know that not everybody responds. Matter of fact, it seems like it's very rare when anybody responds to the Gospel, especially these days. Um, We pray for that. We desire to see people come to the Lord. doesn't happen a lot, but we still want it, don't we? Jesus puts out the invitation. Did you know that not many were really responding to his invitation? Especially the people you would have thought would have responded? These people were super blessed. We're talking about the Jewish people. Look in Romans chapter 3, verse 2. What what was it about it that they were so blessed? Well, nothing in them themselves. But God just graced them. He chose that people to work through to get to the rest of the world. Romans 3.1 says, What advantage has the Jew? Well, what's the benefit of circumcision? Great in every respect. First of all, that they were entrusted with the oracles of God. They were entrusted with the Word of God. God gave it to them so that they would learn who He is, that they would be able to give out truth then to the rest of the world. So that is the idea. The Gospel will transform anybody from any background, every background. Come, for everything is ready now. The invitation... This man had a wrong idea, right? And then we see that Jesus' invitation is broad and it goes beyond the Jew as we'll see as we develop this text. And then the invitation is free. It's free. You come to hear, and it's free. You come to this Kingdom, it's free. It wasn't some kind of a benefit supper, or uh, one of those political dinners that they have that are like a thousand dollars a plate, ten thousand dollars a plate, whatever. Uh, it's not one of those. Uh, you bring a dish to the dinner, like kind of what you guys brought today. This is not free, totally, is it? You brought a dish. The Master says, come. Everything is ready now. All you have to bring is what? Yourself and your appetite. Just come. It's totally free. You eat at His expense. Absolutely. There's nothing that you can bring. That's the beautiful thing about the invitation of the Gospel, isn't it? Because you have nothing that God wants. We can't offer Him anything to satisfy Him. And there's only one way that God offers His salvation. He paid for it. Paid for it with His Son at the cross. But we receive it freely. And that's the invitation that is going out to these people. It's free. Just come. If we do anything to enter into that kingdom, then it takes away His glory and it takes away His grace. It's all on me, He says. Look in Isaiah 55, verse 1. I've always liked this verse because it seems at first it's contradictory. It's not. As you read through the whole verse, you'll see. Ho, oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Hey, you don't have any money? Come buy it. Without, uh, come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Come and eat. It's free. It's like he gave you a coupon or something, right? the money is is that it's grace it's all been done and so he says come it's free Romans 6.23 probably real familiar with that if you've had a memorization of the Romans road that's one of the key verses in there it says uh, for the wages of sin is death but the free notice that word gift free gift gifts should be free shouldn't but I think that's amplifying what grace is here free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord the gift is eternal life this is eternal life that they may know thee to know Christ to know him to know him seeking. So the invitation is free, the invitation is also ample. It's the provisions are total. It's everything. Everything. It's not just a few things. It's a if you want to compare it to like a smorgasbord, you eat all you want and you go back for seconds things on the table. The table is just loaded with appetizers. There's a full salad bar along with a soup. Go back as often as you want. Feel a little freedom in that, don't you? There are several selections of the main dish. You can think of prime rib and lobster. You don't have to choose between the two. You can have all you want. Hey, we're talking hundreds of dollars here now. I mean, this is wrapping it up, huh? Pile of moat to finish it off. This is the most fabulous feast you can imagine. That's why people wanted to go. What a great picture of abundant salvation. That's what this parable is. A parable does that, doesn't it? It takes an earthly... Story, everything that people be familiar with comes alongside and shows the heavenly principles. What's really behind it? This is really what the kingdom is like. You can get ideas here. This will give you an idea of what it is abundant salvation, freely provided for. Don't you always like the idea? It's free. You ever heard of that? whenever somebody says it's free and then you wind up going there and <laughs> so cool. it, it, you have to do this, do that, pay them this to get this free, whatever. you know. He gives you the works. You ever had those pizzas where it just says the works? <laughs> yeah, get excited about that. Yeah, put everything on there. He's the fountain of living waters. Washes away our sin living waters Just spilling over. There is plenty there. So you, you have to think of what is it that we get? Well, we get peace. We get joy. You know, we even have that now. We, as Christians are going to remind us. That is coming, but it is here now. Peace, joy, wisdom to live this life. But there will be a fellowship every day in the very presence of Christ, the promise of eternity is with him in heaven. Look in second Peter 1:3 about what we have right now, seeing that his divine power has granted, that's free, isn't it? To us, look at this, everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. He gives us everything we need to live this life right now according to this life and godliness. Living the godly life through the power of Christ. It's knowing Him, the true knowledge of Him who called us. You get excited about the fact that he calls His elect. It's a effectual calling because the ones who are truly His who were elected before the foundation of the world will come to Him. They will take that invitation and go to Christ. It's by His glory, His excellence. So, an ample provision for our salvation. Welcome to the table, folks. Eat until you're satisfied for eternity. You should be satisfied in Christ. That kind of offer, you may wonder, how can anyone ever refuse that? you ever thought that? Why would anyone ever refuse the most grand thing in all the universe ever of all time? Why would anybody turn that down? And so we see those kind of people that do that in Luke 14, starting at verse 18. Now in this parable, it says, Come, for everything is ready now. All food, the banquet is ready. Come on. Enjoy. Feast. And then you get this word, But, they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a piece of land and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. He's known about this invitation. He had the general invitation. He had a general call. So now he knows about this. And he says, "You know, I can't make it. You know, I got this. Uh, I got this land." That I bought. Now that's ridiculous because first of all, it's like he's going to go out and inspect the land after he bought it. Now who would ever buy land without looking at it, going out, walking around, and seeing what's there? Right? It's my land. Uh, you know, if that's my land, I want to make sure that this is right. But you know, he he wants to uh, make an excuse. Is really what it is. He's not interested in that invitation. He can't come. So, you know, it's interesting. Couldn't he have done that? Does he have to do this at at the same time as this dinner is going on? He had days before and he's got days after. Why right then? you ever wondered that? He didn't want to come to the dinner, did he? You remember that guy who built the barns? And then needed to tear him down because he had more stuff coming in and he needed new barns. What did what was said there? This very night your soul is required of you. He was thinking on in the future and everything's just gonna keep going and just gonna be hunky dory or whatever. So that's one man. He had possessions to tend to, didn't he? And so therefore, he had an excuse. Is this a good excuse? Almost title this message, Excuses. You've all heard them. You've heard people give excuses. You've all probably have some dandy ones we've heard down through the years ago. I need to write that one down. I can't believe that one. You guys understand that, right? Boy, yeah. Okay. Well, we go to the second excuse. It's not really much different than the first one, really. They never really are that much different, even if they come up with different things, right? Second man says he can't come because he bought five yoke of oxen, and he has to go out. And, you know, wait a minute. Flimsy excuse. It's it's like, wouldn't he have checked those oxen out before he bought them? Checking to see if they really are going to do the thing. You know, are they really the kind of machinery that uh, this guy has told me about? So he's going to do it at the dinner. But the thing is, he's already bought them. Come on, seriously, are you are you kidding, man? So he bought this. You know, the, their possessions, they're his work. The oxen are really important to his life and his family's life. But you know what? There's a time that was set for him to go to something that is so good. I can get to those oxen later, right? He's neglecting his what? His soul. He could have had dinner with this man. People can have dinner with Jesus, right? Then you get to the third one. It's about this guy and his wife. Another one said, I have married a wife. And for this reason, I cannot come. I'm going to have to pass. I have a wife. My wife is more important. Well, wives or husbands are very important. Don't get me wrong. Don't get Jesus wrong here. We have to see things in perspective, but what's He really saying here? Did this man just have a wedding at the same time here? Uh, I don't think so. If there is another wedding going on at that time, okay, you know, okay. But Jesus wouldn't be bringing this out if that was the fact. He married a wife, and either He's saying He couldn't bear to be apart from His wife, and I'm thinking, why doesn't He take His wife along? Maybe His wife doesn't want to come along. Maybe His wife on the other side is saying, you know what? I don't want to go, and I don't believe that you ought to go either. Now he's in a dilemma. What's he going to do with that, right? What was he doing? Well, I've got to stay with my wife. Well, he's making an idol out of his wife because we know where this is really leading to. You know, this whole point is Christ, isn't it? But here it is this dinner. She doesn't want to go. She's not going. He doesn't want to go get the answer of it down in a few verses later down in verse 26 this is not in our text today but look at this if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father (laughs) wow Jesus you're getting controversial and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters yes and even his own wife he cannot be my disciple boy you're talking about taking it to the limits to the extreme isn't he Yes, Jesus says that because He's trying to wake them up. He's using parables. He's using these kind of stories that they can identify with. Hey, listen, you are in danger of missing the kingdom. The invitation has been given. You need to go. What's standing in the way? It's possessions. It's work. Family. Jesus, you know, my family is important. Yes, it is but it should it ever exceed Christ Himself. And that's why he says such an outlandish statement. Nobody should ever be taking the place of Christ, right? because yes, that's even idolatry. So he brings something that's so automatic. And he uses the word hate, uh, and, and I think you kind of get the idea there. He's, he's not telling us to go around and hate our family and hate other people. That's not the case. But God's hatred is a different kind of hatred God hates sin and anything that would take us away from Him. So this man has a real flimsy excuse too. What happens if his wife says, you can't go? And he goes anyway. When he comes back, I can guarantee you, he's going to be in all sorts of hot water. Right? It's the way it easily goes. At the same time though, we get we, we, we see that there's something that's really important. Look in Hebrews chapter two verse three. It's now, right? In Hebrews two, three, for if the uh, know, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? There was the invitation and the man neglects it. All three of these did. You've got a great salvation compared to possessions, job, and then all the way to people. Who's the most? what's the most important? People, right? Besides Christ. Right? I mean he takes things that are there is there anything wrong with any of these elements? Anything wrong with owning land? Absolutely not. God blesses with with that. That's that's a good thing. Is there anything wrong with having oxen? No, not at all. Tools, the things you need. Anything wrong with having wives, families? God ordained that to happen. So He takes things that are not necessarily sin. They're everyday things that are hugely important. And He says, here's something that's even more important. Do you see how far he takes it? Do you think he's really getting them nervous now? Could be. So none of the excuses really are sinful in, in that these elements are. Whether it be possessions, whether it be leisure, whether it be our careers, we never want to neglect the soul. It has to be like taking first place. Christ is always first place. Maybe one longs for a mate and they want to marry, but yet the the one that they want to marry is what? An unbeliever. What do we do with that, right? And because the unbeliever doesn't know Christ, they could keep that one back from Christ and it could be idolatry. Uh, there, you know, and and this age, I'll tell you what, it is hard to find a, a mate, a mate that's a believer. Even it, 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 in this town, I hear it over and over and over. You know, whether it be younger generation, even older generation. So I'm just not passing it on to younger generation. I'm just saying that uh, it's incredibly hard to find somebody like that. God will lead you into that, but you know we can take a momentary pleasure above eternal pleasure and miss the dinner with Jesus? Lord, I can't come to Your dinner because I have married a wife. That's what the guy's saying. I'd like to come, but I married a wife and and so therefore I can't come now. That would be sad. And I've heard that story over and over. Okay, well, he's taking extremes here. Do you think Jesus is making friends here? Jesus, everywhere you go, you're going to lose more people if you talk like this. Well, that's really kind of what was happening when they discovered what He was really talking about. He was getting into their lives. So now we go to the response from the head of the household. We've had the excuses now, haven't we? we got three of them. And it covered quite a bit of ground. Everybody can understand that. So He says this in verse 21 and the slave came back and reported this to his master then the head of the household became angry said to his slave go out at once into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame the, the host here or uh, this man who in this parable gets real angry at the refusal why because it's rude it's an insult to turn down such a bountiful invitation. He had everything laid out there. It's a massive banquet, folks. And everybody was making excuses. Nobody was going to come. And he had this banquet. It's all laid out. Nobody's coming. Wow, what do you do with this? Here head of the household becomes angry. You know what? It's a just anger. He's justified. There is a righteous anger. There's a righteous anger, and it's really hard for you know us to identify with that because most of the time our anger is unjust. We say things right off the fly, you know, and say things that we shouldn't have said. Oh, wish I were taking that. I need to take that back. Oh, you know. We say things, we do things that does not honor Christ. But there's a just anger whenever he's done something, and it's all for the people. It's a tremendous effort, a tremendous work. Can you imagine the expense that this man went to? How about the generosity, the kindness, the grace that is all right here? And it's returned with indifference, and I don't care. I'm not going to be there. I've got other things i got to do. Disdain for that invitation. So yes, there's a righteous anger. God has a righteous anger. And if we do things for God's glory and something doesn't come up the way that we'd like it, there can be a righteous anger because people are sinning. But that's really kind of limited to what kind of anger we can have. Well, he has an invitation again and it's to the outcast. The most unlikely people that you'd want to bring to a feast. Most people are not going to have these people here. And you go back to verse 12 and 13 of the same chapter and it says, uh, uh, when he went on to say, the one who invited him, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, or your brothers, or your relatives, or rich neighbors. Otherwise, they may also invite you in returns. It's reciprocity. They're doing it because they want to be recognized. and You know, it's each other patting their backs and such. And that will be your repayment. But you invite these people, you'll never get repaid back in any way. But when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. He says, if that's really in your heart, you're going to be blessed. Well, these are outcasts. These are street people. These are the poor people. These are the people that people don't ordinarily identify with. Even the church today doesn't do that. The Jews prided themselves on never touching outcasts. They scorned Jesus whenever He hung out with tax gatherers, collectors, sinners, the prostitutes. They scorned Jesus for that. But here's the kind of people that Jesus calls. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. You all have heard it many times. Verse 26. Let's go there. For consider, think about your calling, brethren. For there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen. That's what He does. He chooses the ones who would be the least likely. That's the way that God works. And, and, and in our Luke text, he says to bring them here. That means it's going to be a little effort. You're going to have to bring them. They're not going to believe me. You're inviting me there, you know. Bring them in. It's, it means to literally persuade. That's the thought in that original language word. There's, uh, there's still uh, there's room for you room. You can come in. Look at this. Look what's being offered here. Look at this. Well, that didn't fill the place up. You see the uh, master here Once the whole place filled. They could have filled it with all of those other, the first people, but none of them came. It kind of describes what happened to Israel or what has happened to them. As a whole, they missed their invitation on purpose. They didn't trust in the Messiah when He was here. There is a future chapter to that, however. But anyway, go out into the highways along the hedges. Compel them to come in so that they, my house may be filled. Go out into the highways and the byways, Right? Now we have gone past where the streets and the little lanes and the villages in Jerusalem or wherever. Now we're going out not only in Jerusalem or Israel, but we're going into the uttermost parts of the earth here. Go outside the realm here. This is a big place. This is a big dinner. We have room. It's still there. That's what the slave tells him. He says, "Go out, go get them." And this time, the word is even more so. It's uh, you know, it's almost like uh, more than just bring them in. You know, more than just persuade them, compel them to come in. We got to fill this place got a calling there, an invitation. And they know they don't belong there at all. This is totally foreign to them. Compel them to come in. All these people, all they had to do was recognize their hunger. What their true hunger is and believe that the offer is true. They need to recognize that they have no self-righteousness they can offer God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Yes, I'll come. When they came, they found out that this feast was far better than they can even imagine. So we go to the exclusion now. This is the sad part. For I tell you, none of those who were invited, the ones who had the excuses, shall taste of My dinner. This now goes way beyond the parable and that man that was in the parable that invited all the people. For I tell you... Now, six or seven times in Luke we run into that. Now, I tell you, every time it's Jesus, He's applying the story to His audience. And he's applying it now to truth. Here's the real kingdom answer to this. We're talking Jesus and the messianic dinner. That's what we're talking about. Not just a cute little parable story. We're talking about heaven. We're talking about a great banquet. And he says, those ones who had the invitations and they declined it and they made excuses. Oh, we'll be there. And then the time comes they're not there. He says they're excluded from the heavenly banquet. They're not among the blessed. They're not going to be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. They don't know God. They don't obey the gospel. And they will pay the penalty of eternal destruction, judgment. They knew exactly what he was saying when he said this. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited to taste of my dinner—all those religious leaders, the Pharisees—as he's looking around the room, there, he's already said many statements like that, and he comes right back with it again. He says, "You think you're going into the kingdom? You missed the invitation. You don't want. It. You don't want me. You're excluded. You're desolate." you are left to yourselves. Wow. There it is. Food is on the table. The dinner is about to begin. And he says come as you are. Sounds too good to be true, isn't it? We we offer the good news to those lost people, and it's like, yeah, sometimes it does sound a little bit too good to be true. We know better. We know it is true. Can, can you know. People are, are needy. They need Christ. They have nothing to commend themselves to God. They're pagans. It's like that Roman world was. In fact, it's this free gift. It's offered freely in spite of ourselves. That's the beauty of it. No matter how great one's sins are. Come, for I have prepared everything for you to be saved from God's judgment. Everything is all laid out. And you can dine with me for all eternity. Joy, peace. And so, what we ask the lost, the sinner... Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for being able to come together and worship from our hearts. We worship in spirit and truth. We pray that that really be so, that it's honored you today. Your word is precious, very valuable, it's eternal life. At the same time, it's very convicting. This message here should be convicting to all of our hearts because He's always calling us to fellowship with Him. And sometimes, Lord, even as Christians, we battle with other things and temptations, other things that could be good, but we don't put You at the top. Lord, help us in our own lives to be able to always remember that You are to be glorified in all that we do. And You honor that people who are lost we, we cry out come to Christ we have the good news the best news the greatest news of all That they can be taken from their sins that they're so easily entangled in and that you offer grace this table Lord thank you so much we praise you Jesus' name. Amen.